Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Face so that we can praise. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1. One powerful text that everybody must know, especially in this season of the world. 2 Timothy 3 from verse 1 says, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Perilous times shall come. You know, the Greek word translated perilous is kalepos. You know, spelled K-H-A-L. E-P-O-S. This is not an in-depth Bible study. But it simply means that the literal meaning is to cause to reduce strength. Anything that causes you to reduce strength. Alright. But it symbolizes persecution. A lot of people use that word for persecution a lot. But it's not limited to persecution. It actually means, like I said, literally anything that causes you to reduce strength. It means trying times generally. And you see, the context informs us of what was actually being referred to. Was he actually talking about persecution, like people putting a sword on your neck, asking you to recount Christianity? No, not exactly. Because when you see the list of the things that he, he, he the things that he listed as indicative of these perilous times, you will see what he actually was referring to. I mean, he talked about he talked about people being high-minded. Persecution, as we know it, is not responsible for people being high-minded. He talked about people being lovers of pleasure. Persecution, as we know it, is not responsible for people being becoming lovers of pleasure. He's talking about um, people being heady, people being boastful, people being blasphemous. So when he's talking about Perilous times coming. What's he talking about? He's talking about trying times through convenience. When we talk about perilous times, a lot of people think about hardship. But actually, he's talking about the opposite. There is a type of peril that Christians need to be weary of. Not persecution when a sword is placed on your neck, but actually the direct opposite. When there is so much convenience and comfort... That it makes you forget who you are. You become boastful and high-minded. You become a blasphemer. That's when you begin to hear people say things like, Well, do we really need God? I remember the first time I heard someone talk like that. He says, you see, if you really have money and you can invest in science, a lot of the things that people are trusting God for, science can do. You know, that's when you begin to know that money has gotten into people's head. You know, someone gave a very beautiful analogy you know, of the usefulness of money years ago, and it stuck with me forever. He said, money is like a ship soaring or sailing on the ocean. Like that water, you see, money is a vehicle for the fulfillment of purpose. It can, it can take you on a journey to where you are going. He says, the problem is when that water begins to enter the ship, the same thing that once bore the ship would sink the ship. Alright. So money 
can take you wherever you want to go, but money must never get into your head. But can I tell you something? Even statistically, people are becoming more prosperous, especially in this nation. All right? And that's why um, all of a sudden, you begin to hear weird concepts, concepts of atheism. Why is it when, you know, you are comfortable that you begin to think like that? Now you have a job. Now you have, now you're so heady. The Bible says people shall be heady. You can't talk to them anymore. And one of the things that was referred to here, anyway, I'm going to come to that. I can just tell you. He says one of the things that was listed here is people shall be unthankful. Perilous times shall come. Can I tell you something? Thankful men are becoming endangered species. It's, I mean, you are more likely to see an entitled person than you are to see a thankful person. A thankful, can, can, can I, something happened, you know, I was at the airport and this young man kept disturbing me for a tip and I didn't have cash. The only cash I had on me was 200 naira, you know. And so, because that was all I had on me, I gave him. And for God's sake, if you are at the airport and you have 1,000 people giving you 200 naira, maybe daily, or even if it's 100 people daily, it's not cheap. Economics of scale. And for God's sake, I'm, I have every right not to give you a tip. But I gave this young man and you could see the look on his face like, what is this? We live in a generation of entitled people. And he says, we, many people shall become unthankful. It's something, you know, to bear in mind. But all of the things he mentioned are connected to one simple thing that he said. In verse 2, he says, For men shall be lovers of themselves. It is selfishness that will lead to everything. Can I tell you something? At the root of every known sin is selfishness. When we were growing in the Lord, our parents were teaching us, okay, you don't take things without asking. That's stealing. And um, you don't say, you don't give wrong information. That's lying. We were taught all those things. But even if you were not taught, this is one thing you should know about sin. Sin is self-centeredness manifest. Every demonstration of self-centeredness is sin. And everything that you think of that is sinful can be, I mean, why do people steal? It is because for some reason, they feel that the same thing that they, they think they, they justify taking from other people will give them comfort. They want that thing at the expense of the other person. It's self-centeredness. You may call it stealing, but at, at the root of it, it's self-centeredness. When you think of vices like rape, think of the irony. Someone wants to gratify and satisfy himself at the expense of another person. Someone else is literally in pain, crying, and maybe begging. But for, I mean, you would rather cause someone a decade of pain, or maybe more, God forbid, 
and you would do that for a few minutes of pleasure. Every known vice can be traced to self-centeredness. And the same thing is with, you know, applies to being unthankful. You see, it is self-centeredness that makes us feel entitled. The more self-centered you are, the more unthankful you are. You just feel like the, even the favors that people did for you, you know, you deserve it somehow. All right? And that's something that you must truly battle as a child of God. You're not growing in the Lord except, except you are growing in the manifestation of selflessness. That's, that's one great manifestation of spiritual growth. Selflessness. Practice thankfulness. It must, it must be a duty and a delight. I don't really have time to talk about that. You see, one true quality of devotion is found in your dedication when there's no desperation. And this is what I mean. I will repeat that statement. But you see, anybody would do anything legal to someone who has the power to answer or solve a problem. You have to understand that. So as a child of God, you may have a theology to justify your desperation when you need a healing and how you pray and fast. How you pray and fast about that. But like I said, the true quality of devotion is found in your dedication when you are not desperate. So when you're not seeking for a healing, what's your devotion like? When you are not trusting for a new job, what's your devotion like? What's your devotion like when you're not desperate? Even more, what's your devotion like when the thing that you have been looking for for many years you finally get? Thankfulness would reveal the truth about your devotion. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. If your devotion has been a lie, your thankfulness would expose it. Either your thankfulness or the lack of it. This is so crucial. You see, I remember studying about Jesus years ago. Turn the Bibles, Mark chapter 6. Verse 41. You can, you can see the reference there. I remember this, this struck me, you know, years ago. Well, Jesus had just performed the miracle. And then the Bible tells us that right after then, he went up a hill to pray. You know, I remember where I was when I read that. And I was like, oh my God, this, this redefines everything I had learned about prayer and fasting. You pray when you want a miracle. You fast when you want a miracle. But I mean, he had literally just performed a miracle, a great miracle. Or you want, to, you want to talk about Luke chapter 5? He had just cleansed the leper. People were talking about it. And what did he do? He separated himself to go and pray. That taught me a huge lesson. About my devotional culture when my needs are met. You see, when you are gaining traction, when you are gaining popularity, you know, when... You are not hungry anymore. When you are not broke anymore. Your, you, your, your disposition will, ref, will reflect. 
if you are thankful or not. And the Bible says, in the last days, many will be unthankful. You know, when you read the story of the ten lepers and how only one returned to give thanks, you will wonder, you will think, you know, who would do such a thing? But if you're not careful, you might be doing such a thing without knowing. You were fervent in prayer. But are you fervent in praise? You know, sometimes the devil will even deceive you. When what you prayed about has been answered, you are now thinking, how am I sure it was the prayer? Maybe it was bound to happen. I worry too much. It would have happened anyway. You know, now we rationalize. We become intelligent when we are no more desperate. Have you noticed that? We become intelligent. Every rich person is smarter than everyone else. Have you noticed that? They know more than everyone else. The Bible says in the last days, people will become heady. So I said that to say this. Make thanksgiving a duty. I mean, it's so strategic, all right, that after this time of fasting, we're giving ourselves to thanksgiving. Make thanksgiving a duty. It must be a duty. In Christian devotion, you use duty to direct your delights. <laughs> All right? Anything that you repeat, you will take interest in. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, popular text, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says in everything, give thanks. So if you're going to give thanks in everything, <laughs> you have to be intentional about it because guess what? You won't always feel like giving thanks. So you make it a duty. The same way you lock your door to pray and to fast, you must learn to lock your door to praise. And to say, you know what, in the next 30 minutes, I'm going to praise God and it will not be mere music. It will be from my heart. So as we go on in praise, I want it to be more than vibe for you. All right? I want it to be from your spirit. Very important. Very important. You know, I, I can share testimonies, personal experiences. You know, I'll share one quickly. You know, there's, there's a lady who came to me when I was in school and said, you know, my mom has been diagnosed with a, with a devastating disease. And she's, she, if she has paid for our operation, you know, but I just want you to pray that before that date, something is going to happen. And she's going to be healed, you know. So I said, sit down. You know, the Bible, I showed her in the Bible. The Bible says, if two of you shall agree as touching anything under heaven, it shall be done of my Father in heaven. I said, do you believe this? She said, yes. I said, hold my hands. We held hands. And we prayed a simple prayer. Lord, I agree with this lady for her mother that she will be healed and no operation will be required. You know, so that time passed. And so the next week I was going you know, to class, I saw her, she said hello, I said hi. You know, and the next day after that, she, I saw her, she said hello, we said, we kept seeing for about a month. So, I just expected that if the miracle had happened, she would say. So, since she didn't say, I thought, well, she was still trusting. But one day, after, after time had passed, out of curiosity, I just said, so, how is your mom? She's, and, and I kid you not, she said, oh, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> I was like, what? 
You, you, you what? She said, as they rolled her into the theater, the doctor said, let us check one more time. And they checked. And what they were trying to operate was gone. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, okay, so you experienced such a big miracle and you didn't think to. I, I couldn't believe, you know, I think that was the first time I realized that this nine lepers thing might be a real thing in our day. Aren't we so forgetful? You write prayer points, but you don't write answers. And you listen, we sing about it, count your blessings. Many people are trained to count their problems, but they don't count their blessings. Listen, you know, okay, I had a program somewhere I was preaching. I'm sorry to say this. And or let me just make it more generic. Isn't it interesting that in our day, there are some people who will be healed from a disease and don't want you to, you to share about it. They don't, they don't even want to share about it because they are more particular about their integrity and their reputation than about their thanks, thanksgiving and the ripple effect that they are sharing that, that sharing that testimony can cause for other people who are trusting for the same thing. I mean, it's a weird concept. There have been times where there were some miracles that happened in this ministry that we shared and the people privately DM'd, can, can you please take it down? Even though we try, now we use initials. And I'm not, listen, some things are sensitive, I understand. But when, when you are more concerned about how you look than that trying situation that God turned around, you're meant to be so thankful. Listen, in Jesus' day, it, Jesus was telling people not to share. <laughs> they were the ones disobeying and sharing up and down. But today, you don't need to tell anybody not to share. You need to almost force them to share. I, I mean, sometimes you're ministering, you are giving words of knowledge. The person is listening, but is so concerned about what other people will think and would not indicate. What an interesting generation we live in. But you must make it a duty. Listen, I want you to think about the goodness of God over your life. Now that you're comfortable, you've gotten that scholarship, you've gotten that whatever you were trusting for, think and think. Maybe this session will not be enough for you. You need to do it on your own some other time. Do it on your own. Don't have personal fasting times to, to move the hand of God in your favor and not have personal praise times. It's wrong. That has to stop. Another thing I will talk about in just a few seconds is this. One big way to worship the Lord is to eradicate everything that competes for his place in your life. And that's why one powerful way all right, to demonstrate the lordship of God in our life is through our giving. And I, I, listen, I, I thank God for the kind of church that we have. There are some things that we don't have to flog and emphasize too much. I want to thank every one of you who has, you know, who has partnered for the new branches we're starting, you know, and all of that. God bless and replenish you abundantly. You know, but this still has to be said. Apart from 
giving, being an instruction. You have to understand what money will do to you if you don't put it in its place. Can I tell you something? If you are not an active giver, money would have a place in your heart that is inordinate. There is no other thing in the world that we are told can fight for the place of God where Jesus literally and categorically said you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. One way, all right, to assure your heart who is Lord in your life is in your money. Can I tell you why? Because your money will always flow in the direction of value. It doesn't matter what you say you like. If we check what you spend on, we will know what you like. Money will always flow in the direction of value. And, and, and it changes from person to person. Some people are very particular about their looks. And maybe someone will buy a shirt and you say, how much is the shirt? And the person says, 40,000. You're like, 40,000? Maybe you are very modest in dressing, but you don't joke with car. You know, there are people like that. Some, some will wear all the money they should have used to build a house. They wear it. Others will build a house. You will know from their dressing, you know, that they have a house. You know, some others, even to little things. Okay, some parents, for instance, don't joke with education at all. They spend so much. Every training they hear about, they put their money in. Listen, money will always reflect your value. You know, some people who don't mind spending. Have you seen people? When you ask them, ah, do you have money for this? They say, I don't have money. I don't, I'm very broke. But when some other occasion arises that they are really interested in, you, now you'll be shocked. That, oh, but you said you don't have money and you're doing this. Have you seen people like that? Because that's how value system works. It is not expensive. It's not just so valuable to you. Many times that's the truth. Is it expensive or you, it doesn't? I mean, so um, when we practice generosity to the kingdom, we are doing something devastating to the devil. Because can I tell you something? The battles of the devil against the church is not just persecution, like I said, it is convenience. It is convenience. So that's why you must learn, for instance, to pray for the gospel. Pray for the spread of the gospel in your day. Give towards the spread of the gospel in your day. And as we like to say in this church, put your money where your faith is. You always spend on what you believe in. What you spend on is the theology of your life. I'm telling you. You have to be intentional about this. So as we spend time uh, thanking God for personal things, the, you know, you might be trusting for a miracle. Thank God for the many things he has done. We're entering into a session of praise. All right. Thank God for the many things he has done already. Also, also, don't just thank God for your own stuff. Thank God for the gospel prevailing through this ministry i'm telling you the reach that god has given us is increasing by the day that's something to be thankful for you can't just be thankful for your own car and your own stuff thank god for the gospel and if you've not given towards these projects i want you to do so all right i want you to do so listen for today
It doesn't matter what you're going through, what you've experienced. Some of you are maybe going through a hard time right now. I dare you, you know, look beyond yourself, look beyond your challenges and just give God praise and thank him from your spirit. You know, I posted something on social media. This is my last statement. Thanksgiving is not a mere reflection of current realities. When you thank God and when you praise God, you are judging him. You, you, are, you are discerning the fact that ultimately, God's will will always be done. Do you understand? Ultimately. Ultimately. So even if it doesn't look like it, like it now, you know who God is. It will always end in praise. And even at the end of your life, it's going to be the beginning of an endless, you know, life of joy. He said it will wipe away every tear. And you don't wait to see that to pray. You don't wait to see it to say it. You praise him right now. Just begin to praise him right now. Give him thanks from your heart. Bless his name. Warm your heart with adoration and with praise right now. Give him the praise right now. Thank him from your heart. Thank him from your spirit. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.